G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You might know that one of the most challenging elements of our Christian faith is that Jesus claims to be the only way to God. In fact, early Christians were known as the way. Down through the centuries, the fact of his being exclusively the way has been a source of much scandal especially when various religions cohabit the same nation or the same town. As you may know, one of the regular gatherings at the New South Wales Parliament House hosted by the Reverend Fred Nile has been a gathering called Christian Worldview. Invited guest speakers are able to address significant issues. Well, coming up on the 24th of May, that's a Monday, The guest speaker will be addressing the topic, The Exclusivity of Jesus. Christian Barrier Noivo is the chairman of the ministry called Love Israel Australia, and uh, Christian is joining us. Christian, welcome along. Thank you, Neil. It's always a pleasure and an honour to be in your program. It is a controversial topic, isn't it, Christian, Uh, when you talk about the exclusivity of Jesus? What do you mean by that? Well, Jesus warned us uh, very clearly in Scripture that there'll be many types of deception, especially in the last days, which I personally believe we're entering. And deception, as you know, comes in many ways. And one specific way is that um, whether it be an interfaith movement or people just generally embracing a belief that Jesus is not exclusively the only way to receive salvation. I guess using words like interfaith movement, I guess there's a number of ways you can look at how that works because obviously in a lot of movements that might be gatherings of people from different religious backgrounds, uh, that there could be some level of fellowship involved in that. But uh, what do you mean when we talk about interfaith movements uh, about the sorts of perhaps uh, challenges or dangers there might be acknowledging the exclusivity of Jesus? Sure, and look, the the interfaith dialogue isn't anything new. Uh, I mean, early in the 20th century, the interfaith dialogue started to take place between the Abrahamic faiths, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Uh, But why is it so dangerous? I mean, they use terms deceptively like love and unity in order to obtain world peace among some of the things that is on their agenda. But in doing this and embracing that type of interfaith movement, it totally negates the all-sufficient and exclusive sacrifice of the cross by Jesus and, and the shedding of his precious blood. So from my point of view, I feel that our Messiah will not and should never share his altar or worship with other false religions such as those. And the Bible is very clear about telling us that there is only one way to the Father, and that is through Christ Jesus. I occasionally reflect on that scripture out of John 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Is one of the most divisive things any leader has said at any time in history. It is divisive, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, but so true. Christian, when we talk about getting together, 
I mean, just because someone is gathering together to talk, as you say, an interfaith dialogue, uh, some will say, unless you have dialogue, you may well have war. So there's certainly got to be some value, hasn't there, in uh, exploring one another's faith in the sense of uh, befriending people who are leading other faiths? I see it that, yes, we have been given a commission to reach out to all the lost, no matter what religion they follow. Uh, you're spot on there, but certainly that doesn't mean compromising in any way. And I believe that, sadly, uh, some aspects of the church and believers around the world are actually compromising. And, and that's where, you know, the, it becomes a very, very dangerous topic. So we have to be very careful about how we reach out and evangelize other people, but never, ever entertain, from my personal view, um, and share in their faith and some of the rituals that they actually perform as well, which I've seen quite a lot of it that's quite outstanding and quite staggering and alarming, actually. Is it the case that you can look at these things and uh, there might be all sorts of good intent for those leaders who might meet together and they recognise that uh, level of need for dialogue in avoiding conflict, but the image of that from the outside is that somehow or other there's some sort of new global religious alliance being formed. Is there an image problem here? There is an image problem, and you're exactly right, Neil. There, there is this global alliance that uh, is certainly an agenda. And, you know, you made a good point earlier on, but it's up to us as true believers that the Bible makes it very clear that we had to have no fellowship with them. In Ephesians 5, he says, the Lord tells us, and I have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So we shouldn't have any type of fellowship whatsoever with them, only on the basis of evangelizing, reaching out to them to try and bring them to the true gospel of Jesus Christ and the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, but certainly not be gathering and fellowshipping with them at all. People don't like this exclusivity of Christianity, uh, the exclusivity of Jesus, because in some sense here, uh, it's not palatable that anyone should be having sort of a criticism of an, of another religious group. What are your thoughts about the fact that Christians are oftentimes here in this place where people will think that somehow or other there's a, a closed-mindedness? Very good point, and that comes up quite often. And I always go back to the basics, which is the scriptures. The scriptures are, for me, the, the truth. I mean, his, his word will never pass away. And there are some key scriptures that are very clear. So there's no subject for debate or there's no gray areas. Uh, when, when he tells us in Acts 4.12, very clearly that there is no there's salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven. Now, that is very clear. So true believers who know that the Bible is the Word of God, and believe it or not, some people have even actually questioned that, who call themselves believers, and a very well-known scripture in Second Timothy, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. So, and, and he goes on to say, and he's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction. So the Word of God is the fundamental basis for all Christian believers, and the word is very clear about the exclusivity of Jesus and anything that deviates from that is deceptive and extremely dangerous. Of course, you're leading the Australian arm of the ministry Love Israel. And, uh, of course, uh, 
from a Jewish perspective here, it's even more confronting for a Jew uh, to make Jesus exclusive. So it's pretty challenging, isn't it, uh, when you talk about uh, Jewish people and the way that uh, their interaction sometimes with Christians is clouded by this exclusivity idea. Exactly right. And, and uh, Dr. Baruch Corman, who heads up Love Israel and founded Love Israel, he uh, would agree with you 100% on that. And, and there's a way in which to approach the Jewish community, certainly not by Bible bashing them. We feel that the best dialogue is always looking at Scripture and asking their feedback on certain Scriptures that bring the true and the clarity of Jesus as the Messiah, even in the Old Testament, and like Isaiah 53. And that's how you start the dialogue. You do it in a loving way, in a, in a certainly a friendly way, but ultimately we can never deviate from the truth of Scripture. Because what we're talking about is New Testament, the words of Jesus expressing that exclusivity. But this is something we could reflect on, I guess, from the Old Testament too. Is there a reiteration of the Old Testament idea of the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. Isn't this the exclusivity that the children of Israel carried with the law? That's exactly right. And as you and I both know, the Old Testament and the New Testament correlate so well together that even when you look at some New Testament scriptures and you're doing some Bible studies, when you look at cross-referencing, a lot of the prophetic scriptures about Messiah in the New Testament, you always have a cross-reference to scriptures in the Old Testament. So they very well work hand-in-hand together, and you can't have, of course, the New Testament without the Old Testament. So you're spot on there, Neil. I think it's, it's important to look at the whole Word of God, and even from the beginning, from those scriptures, God was very clear that there are no other gods. So uh, it, it's something that I, I may sound repetitive, but we always need to come back to scripture. Coming back to the scripture, because I know this was apparent too in the first century. In fact, it was considered scandalous. Uh, when Paul would say, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But this idea of scandal, that really has hung on all of these years. Absolutely. I think it's something that the enemy will always try and target, whether it be uh, any deceptive way that he can to move us away from Scripture and from the truth of the exclusivity of Christ. I think the biggest plan that the enemy has these days is to use this type of deception to lure us away from the most important thing, that is our direct relationship with Messiah, with Jesus, and that he is the only way to the Father. So, you know, it is something that's very, very dangerous. We we know that Jesus warns us about this as well. Uh, and Paul warns about this as well in terms of deception, whether it be in the book of Timothy or Second Thessalonians. Deception was one of the most highlighted things that we were warned about in the New Testament, and we're actually seeing it right now. So the enemy is very cunning. The enemy is very uh, deceitful. But And that's why it's so important just to go back to Scripture and not overcomplicate things. We just need to see the basics of Scripture, read the Word of God, ask for the discerning and the leading of the Holy Spirit, because we do have to test everything as well. And, uh, you know, just focus on that. That's the critical aspect of the believer. I imagine that we can think critically about what perhaps might happen at those high levels, as you say, an interfaith uh, connection, uh, almost like people talk about sometimes an interfaith ecumenism, which is different Correct. to uh, to an ordinary Christian ecumenism, where everyone's trying to make friends and uh, and be of one together. 
but yes. there's a certain sense, isn't there, when we bring this down to our personal conversations one to another, which are oftentimes cross-cultural, cross-religious spaces, that there's this need for being gracious. But you've got to be sensitive, haven't you, when, you, when you're talking about these things? Absolutely. Individually, I agree with you 100%. It's something that we all have to uh, be sensitive about and we all need to reach people in different ways. But like you said, we're talking more about the overarching interfaith ecumenical movement that is just very deceptive, but it trickles down. A lot of people are being deceived into that to say, well, look, it's okay. It's okay. We, we should be listening to uh, the Islamic faith. We should be listening to people from uh, the Hindu faith. But uh, scripture doesn't tell me that. And that's why we have to be so very careful. And, of course, the the most important thing, I think, here is this reality that there might be an exclusivity, but there must be a reason why. And, of course, it's because Christ brings this idea of sin into the equation, the thing that separates us from God. If you want to reconnect or reconcile with God, you've got to resolve that issue first and you've got to resolve that he is the only way. That would be the most important thing to me. Amen. I totally agree with you with that. And, you know, the big significant part of that is that repentance. So it's not by works that we're saved, as you and I both know. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. But we have to do come before him acknowledge that we are sinners and that's what sets us apart as well from other religions as well because we have to acknowledge that we are sinners we have to repent of our sins and uh, then that's when we start our journey as a believer because that's when it starts a lot of people think that's it it's over when we receive our salvation but that's the beginning of our journey And, and it's also important for us in a sensitive way in a careful way, in a gracious way, like you said before, if we're going to be evangelizing and reaching out to other people of other faiths, it's always important to once again to go back to Scripture and we need to be mindful that we always need to confess Christ before men, like it tells us in the book of Luke. I certainly want to be uh, in the presence of God and we will all be facing God one day or another. That I want him to say, well done, faithful servant, because I was confessing Christ exclusively before men. You know, we, he tells us also, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So these are very, very interesting times and dangerous times. And as believers, we need to have that discernment. And it all goes back to Scripture and the Word of God. Well, the event you're going to be addressing and speaking on this issue is called the Christian Worldview event at the New South Wales Parliament House coming up on the 24th of May. Uh, there is a email address for listeners and particularly those perhaps who are in Sydney to be a part of and the email address to register to be a part of that event the Christian Worldview event at New South Wales Parliament House judy.russell at iinet.net.au and uh, you can also find out some more about Christian Barry Noivo Uh, who is the chairman of the ministry called Love Israel Australia. The ministry website there is loveisrael.org. But for those who are scrambling for a pen saying, how do I get to the New South Wales Parliament House Christian Worldview event? The email address is judy.russell at iinet.net.au. Christian, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Uh, Once again, thank you, Neil, for inviting me to your program. Uh, It's certainly a blessing for me and shalom and blessings to you and all of your listeners. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 